Welcome to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Now, here's your host, Johnny Radio himself, John Harden. Welcome to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio, hanging out with Brian Dacus all day long, all day strong. And we're busy today because we're going to talk a little college football. College football playoff committee will put out its its rankings tonight before the ultimate ranking because that is next Sunday. They're going to put everything out. Everybody's going to know where everybody's going. Life's going to be good. But we got all kinds of things in college to talk about. And the good thing about it is we're going to ask, man, um, CFP, no SEC team in the Final Four. Is that actually is it would be a good college playoff? If you don't know what I'm talking about, what if Alabama does boat race Georgia? Actually, or just beat Georgia? Alabama right now it looks like they're on the outside looking in. Texas is ranked higher. If Texas wins their conference, what if Oregon or Washington win? They're definitely going to be in. Florida State holds serve against Louisville, which is pathetic. They're going to be there. You got Michigan, who's definitely going to make it because they're playing Iowa. There's just all kinds of things. I think that would absolutely be hilarious. But I'm going to talk about with David Cobb of CBSSports.com. What about this week's games? It's championship week. We got a lot of pieces that need to fall right now. Of course, you know Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and FSU are most everybody's picks for one through four. You got usually uh, Ohio State, Oregon at five, Ohio State six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. That's what I'm projecting. That's going to happen tonight. Um, but man, we got a lot of stuff that is um, not been answered in college football. Plus, it's that time of year, man. The coaching carousel is speeding up. And also the transfer portal is opening up and uh, people are putting their names in. You saw that quarterback Tyler Van Dyke of Miami put his name in the uh, hopper. Kansas State's Will Howard put his name in the hopper. He was QB1. You have A.J. Swan from Vandy who's also done it. And Will Rogers down at Mississippi State who's put his name in. So we got to talk. Seals, both Vandy quarterbacks are in the transfer portal. Uh-uh, both of them? Mm-hmm, yeah. Damn, man. I get it. If I was playing for Vandy, I'd want to get out, too. Yeah. I, I was actually – because I was confused last night because Ken Seals went into the transfer portal first. He went, like, yesterday morning, I think. Um, I guess not technically, but had you know said they're going to be in the transfer portal. And then last night, A.J. Swan went, uh, said he was going to go into the transfer portal. And I, for a long time, thought it was Ken Seals, and people were just retweeting it. And then I realized it was A.J. Swan. I was like, holy cow. Both I didn't even see Seals, man. I, I saw uh, Swan the, this morning. But, yeah, there's, the transfer portal is starting to, like, fill up. We'll talk about the effect of the transfer portal, who's going where, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. Because we got a lot of college football to cover. A lot of college football to cover. Plus, we're going to talk some NBA action. You know, at 12 o'clock, we got Rack City Zach. He's going to join us. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies. We'll talk about LeBron James, man. Do you know he broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record for most minutes played in the NBA? He's now at 66,298, something to that effect. Wow. Or that's the minute, that's the, uh, LeBron, the minute that passed Kareem. So it's probably, I mean, he's just going to keep rolling. 
He's going to keep rolling. He's going to get more minutes. The dude keeps himself in shape. I can just imagine. How bad do you think his feet hurt? Probably pretty bad. I know how bad my feet hurt, and I do not play in the NBA at his age. And 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 you're not as big as LeBron, and you don't jump exactly. as high as LeBron and put as much pressure well, as that dude does on his body. I got some hops, John. <laughs> you got some hops? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, really? Six inches? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe like ten. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa, Melinda's lucky. Um, she's she's always wanted a man who can get get uh get some height. Right, John, I can dunk. You can dunk sometimes with a tennis ball. Maybe on a nine foot ball. Maybe that that is interesting. That's interesting. But we're talking NBA because the Seventy Sixers beat the Lakers by forty four points. Did you know that? I did not. Largest margin of loss, not victory. LeBron's never lost a game by forty four. Well, he has now. And he said last night after the game, he wasn't really excited about breaking the minutes record. He says something's got to change. Everything's got to change in L.A. And I just go back to being, want to say I'm simply right. Bringing Anthony Davis to L.A. did not do LeBron James a bunch of favors. Did Plastic Man get a championship when they were in the bubble? Yes, yes, he did with LeBron. But what's he done since then? He's always injured. He disappears in games. He dominates a cut. He'll dominate a game. Then the next game, he's terrible. Then he'll dominate a game. And the next game, he's terrible. It's ridiculous. We'll talk a little bit about the Lakers. Also, the 76ers. Tyrese Maxey. My goodness. My man had his fifth game with 30 plus points. He's a good player. Doesn't it? I mean, the fact that James Harden is so terrible that the Clippers lost last night. To the Denver Nuggets, and you're like, well, John, they're the defending champs. Well, they didn't play Jokic. They didn't play Murray. They didn't play Gordon. Yes, you heard that right. They didn't play their three big dudes. You know what I'm saying? And the Clippers still lost. Do you know how many points James Harden scored in that game? I don't know. 11. Wow. wow. What like the a, hell is like he doing? They were like a 10-point favorite when that line closed, I think. Closed yeah. Closed it, I think. Yeah, they were. A t- they were. A, yeah, the thing was close to eleven. The shoot. If I would have taken the money line, I'd be so excited. But um, I did not. But I should have. Should have known. Because this is just a bunch of dudes with no leader. And then Russell Westbrook got into it with the fan again. Classic Westbrook. He gets into. He said. He said. I do. I mean, like, there's certain things. He's like, man, it's a, it's just unfortunate that can, fans can say any damn thing they want. Yeah, that's just a good point. But, dude, why are you listening? Or why do you care? You're making, what, $400,000 a game? And, again, I don't think the fans should be saying things about their family, racial slurs, anything that's just, like, I mean, yes, you can cross the line. But, man, if you just don't pay any attention to that, again, you play the basketball game, you leave. And I feel like, to be honest with you, do you know why so many people go after, um, try to, I guess, antagonize Russell Westbrook. Because they know they're going to get a response. Because it's easy. Like, they know they can get in his head. They know that they can say something that'll get him off his game. They know that they can get a fan a fan reaction. They know that they're going to be on Sports Center if they do this. They know that they can video it on their TikTok and get thousands of views. It's, it's I mean, it's the sad state of the world that we live in today that this is what's fun, famous, and popular. But it is what it is. I, I think Russell Westbrook probably a really good dude i get it i don't i don't i mean i'm i don't like people talking ish to me i really don't and i probably would react 
poorly. But I'm also not a rich superstar basketball player who has to deal with this stuff all the time. I'm just a moron on the radio. So there's that. We'll talk two of us, I guess. Yep. We'll talk a lot of NBA today. Again, at 12 o'clock with Zach. 11.30, we got college football with David Cobb. Hardenwood because it just feels so good. I got some great stories, some weird stories. We always have those at 12.30. And we got to get to some bets. But I'm going to start the show off talking about last night's football game. Bro, I am so disgusted by what I see with Chicago. Matt Eberflus is, I don't know if he's that dude. That offense is very vanilla. How many wide receiver screens can you throw in one game and they get blown up? I guess a lot. I I mean, mean, every time it was like, oh, it's uh, second down and 10. Wide receiver screen blown up for a four-yard loss. Third down and two, wide receiver screen. Need two yards, throw the ball two yards behind the the, the stick. Um, now it's fourth and four. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. And the other thing is, is Eberflus and his offense and Justin Fields and the wide receiver. I mean, just it's it's just a mess. The fact that they only got th- four field goals last night and won that football game against the Vikings, it's just terrible. That was terrible football last night. Yep. Am I happy that I had the Bears money line? Yes. Of course. I missed my over big. Yeah. What the hell was I thinking? Uh, question i mean I, you know what i was honestly thinking i'm thinking to myself oh josh dobbs is good for a couple interceptions sure. oh yeah and he was <laughs> and he threw four of them yeah uh-huh. give give the bears good field position you know justin fields is going to put the ball on the ground or turn it over oh it'll probably lead to points on the wrong side of the field for the other team also i don't know if you know this you could do a little a little like justin fields could drop back and then take off and run 60 yards for a touchdown or he could do a you know a run pass option and then pull it take it off and there's all kinds of things that you could think to where you could see some long exciting touchdowns no there was one touchdown in that game one Josh Dobbs actually looks like a uh, for a guy who threw four interceptions three of them were tipped by the way three of them were tipped um, he looked terrible but Justin Fields because of the expectations with him coming out of Ohio State the fact that he started over Joe Burrow at Ohio State and forced Joe Burrow to transfer to LSU you just think to yourself that you you need to get so much more out of him and I'm telling you right now if I'm the Bears they're going to have the number one currently they have the number one and the number four pick right That's right because they own the Carolina Panthers first That's round correct. pick yes and I'm going to get to the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper here in just a minute. What a clown. What a clown. I mean, they, they used uh, last year, they moved up to pick Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. When if they would have just kept their damn pick, they would have gotten the right quarterback. Or 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 this year, you could get in Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. A bunch of dudes who look a lot better. Um, but again, back to this Bears team and Justin Fields. I hate to say this because I was coming in when I came into this season. I, I said the crazy thing: Justin Fields could have that breakout year. Look at him as a crazy dark horse MVP. Do you remember that? You weren't here. No, that was a stupid. I mean, it was plus like 
6,800. You know what I'm saying? And this is a guy who could rush for 1,000 yards and throw for 3,500 and account for 40 touchdowns, is what I was thinking. Well, John, Bears I mean, make the playoffs in the weakest. I mean, you, you're not alone. You do not need to feel bad about that. Everyone was talking about this could be the Bears. I mean, this could be I the mean, year the they NFC turn North it is terrible. Exactly. You got Jordan Love down in um, Green Bay. No more Aaron Rodgers. The Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins stink. They won 11 games by a single score last year. You knew that was going to revert back to the mean. They're now five and six in games um, decided by a touchdown or fewer. They're not winning those games. Detroit Lions, did you really believe they were going to be this good this year? I thought they were going to be improved. I thought they were going to be good. I picked them to actually win the division. But I thought the Bears were going to be right there fighting with the Lions for that bad boy. And it's just been a terrible year. Matt Eberflus, one person to blame. Justin Fields specifically uh, has not been good this season. It was it was ugly football last night. And I was talking with Wolo, who's a huge Bears fan, so I got to give him a little credit and I'm like, man, the Bears, just go ahead and move on from Justin Fields. Go out there and get your quarterback with the number one overall pick. Use your um, fourth, fifth, sixth pick in the in NFL draft because they get to keep their draft their their pick. Oh, I think it went from fourth that they lost, and now they're in sixth. Something out of fact. Anyway, I can't remember exactly. Um, but you're still going to have a high pick. And he said, "Would you?" And, and Dave said something I thought was pretty interesting. With that first pick, because there's so many good quarterbacks in this draft, you take Marvin Harrison, Jr. Ah, Maserati Marv. And then you go ahead and with the you know, next pick, pick the quarterback and let it fall to you, whoever's available, between all the stud quarterbacks that they have this year in the draft. And then I started thinking to myself, well, um, you have a lot of great quarterback uh, wide receivers in this draft, like um, Adunze for Washington. That dude's an absolute beast. Not only Marvin Harrison, a junior, a beast. You got Xavier Worley, Texas. You have my man down at LSU who looks like just a full-grown man, dude. Like, he is a full-grown man. My man, Malik Neighbors, don't play no games. There's Coleman. Coleman. There's just, I mean, there's so many good wide. Malik Neighbors, I think, is a dude. I mean, he's a stud. There's some there's some wide receivers and quarterbacks in this year's draft. Like there's a lot of them. There's a lot. There's a lot of good ones. So Bears are going to have a lot of options. They need to get better, but the first thing they need to do is uh, move off of Justin Fields or pick a quarterback, and they all come in there and both of them compete, try to make each other better, and then when the new kid beats out Justin Fields and you move off of him, simple as that. Trade him, get rid of him, whatever. But not only was Justin Fields terrible, again, four field goals. But Brian Flores should be fired today. Did he watch the Alabama-Auburn game? (laughs) So the entire game, they are bringing pressure. Before the game, he said that they were bringing the house, that they were coming after Justin Fields because one thing Justin Fields can do he can read he can read coverage if you put it if you go in a zone and you give him time to process information he will find the open receiver and he can throw the ball when you rush him and you speed up his processes when he makes mistakes when he throws errant throws he doesn't anticipate as well as others he puts the ball on the ground if you saw him fumble was it twice yesterday he fumbled i believe so yes yeah two fumbles should have thrown a bad bat did throw a pick should have thrown a horrible one, one that just was dropped. Um, but Brian Flores, 
you're now up 10-9, to one-point lead, two minutes left in the ball game, and you won't believe what he did. He dropped eight and only rushed three. That's right. And what Justin Fields do? He had time back there, and he went down there and moved him down the field. Mm-hmm. Had an easy square in with Mooney. Boom, boom, boom. How you like me now? They're down the field. They're in field goal range. They run out the clock. They kick the field goal. Bing, bang, boom. Vikings loon. Brian Flores, why did you stop bringing pressure? Why did you only rush three and drop eight and let them methodically move right down the damn field? When you saw what was working the whole game. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. It's like they didn't watch the Alabama-Auburn game. And you're right. Uh, he did fumble twice. Justin Fields did. Man, I'm telling you. I just uh, I thought that was a poor, poor, poorly, poorly played football game. And uh, the Bears did win. I was grateful for that because I had the Bears on the money line. But damn. Thank you, Brian Flores, for dropping back and letting everybody. The other thing I was going to say is I felt so sad, actually, for Justin Fields when the game was over. Did you see when Matt Eberflus was giving out the game balls and doing a little talking? They snapped a five-game losing streak. Yeah. He's all pumped. He's like, all right, going forward, we're going to do this, this, and this, and yeah. He's all excited. Well, um, Justin Fields said, hey, can I say something? He said, no, sit down. No, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Justin Fields then just goes, I just want to tell everybody, I appreciate you sticking with me and standing by me. And I'm like, damn, man. Damn, man. I didn't say that. He even knows how bad he's playing. That they were better with, what's his name, Bajent? Yeah, Tyson Bajent. The Bajent, Tyson Bajent. They were better with Bajent. Yeah, debatable. I mean, they did win a game. Uh, What's Justin Fields won this year? He hadn't won Jack. Good good point, John. I can't argue that. I mean, it's, I mean, now Bajent did beat the Carolina Panthers when he played, though. I do know uh-huh. that. <laughs> and the Raiders, those were his two wins. So. Yeah, the Raiders. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, Raiders before they made a move, different team. Yeah, I was going to say that's when they after that game they fired Josh McDaniels. Exactly. So, <laughs> so way worse Raiders team than than, than the one that's playing now. right now. Right. So he did beat, but at least he beat them. It's true. I mean, what can you say that Justin Fields did this year when he was healthy? Beat the Commanders and the Vikings. Um, beat the Commanders and the Vikings uh-huh, on a right. game where they scored had four field goals. That's correct. Uh-huh. I think the defense for the Bears won that game. Yeah, but but John, you can't forget the the Commanders win was when they put up forty points and everyone was like, "Oh, Justin Fields is certified back, two hundred and eighty two yards, four touchdowns." He was back then, John. Then he got hurt. I blame the injury. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess so. You can blame the injury. It's just it's just terrible. I feel bad for the Bears, but they do have two first-round picks this year. They're both going to be great drafts. The first one's likely going to be the number one overall draft in uh, football because the Carolina Panthers have to give that bad boy away. Carolina, you are just terrible. And then speaking um, a little bit about the Carolina Panthers, have you thought about how, how sad this is Like for the whole fact that they took – my man, um, Bryce Young. I mean, have you seen how sad it is? Because he is absolutely overwhelmed. David Tepper now has, has fired his sixth coach. That's correct. Ever since, um, remember Jerry Richardson when they forced him to sell the bad boy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that um, 
David Tepper guy who's coming in and replaced him has been firing people left and right. It all started with Ron Rivera back in 2018. A 7-9 season, Rivera is out. Then you have Matt Rule comes in 5-11, 5-12. Last year, got fired during the season. And then Steve Wilkes takes over and wins a bunch of games, and they were 7-10. Well, they fire Wilkes. They bring in Frank Wright, 1-10. Not only did they bring in Frank Wright, but they traded up. Got rid of, they got rid of DJ Moore. They got rid of uh, draft capital to go out there and get a absolute terrible, terrible quarterback in the National Football League. And it, all it does is make me think about Brock Purdy. This is crazy. In twenty in in sixteen starts, do you know Brock Purdy is thirteen and three? It's incredible. 4,200 yards. He has a little over 4,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, and a completion percentage of 69.1. Do you know there were eight other quarterbacks drafted in that same class? Do you think he can list them off? Like, that's like the new trend, like, where, like, players are like, I can list off every receiver drafted before me. Yeah, he, he probably can could. He probably could. List off all the quarterbacks drafted I mean, the first-round quarterback that year was Kenny Pickett. Yeah, what year was what year was that? 20, 2022. 2022. I'm, I'm going to look up and see all, Kenny all Pickett, the quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett. I can tell him, dude. I got oh, him right okay, here. Perfect. Yeah, Kenny Pickett was uh, first-round pick, 20th overall. Okay. He's terrible. Desmond Ritter, third-round pick, 74th overall. He's terrible in Atlanta. How about Malik Willis for the Tennessee Titans? Third pick, Yikes. third round pick at eighty six. He's not even. He's not going to play with the Titans. You, they, he's played in games they won't let him throw because he can't read defenses. You have Matt Corral out of Ole Miss, third round, ninety fourth overall. Not doing Jack Bailey Zappies in New England, fourth round, one hundred thirty seventh overall. He's shot John. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Sam Howe, Washington. Oh, he's got he's fifth got round, one forty four. He's got there. a little oh, something. something. You know what he's got a lot of him. He's got a lot of turnovers in him. This year he has 15 turnovers. Josh Allen has 16. He was leading the league until Josh Dobbs threw four interceptions last night. And now he takes the crown as the leader in the clubhouse for the most turnovers this season. So number one, Josh Dobbs at 17. Two, Josh Allen at 16. Three, Sam Howe at 15. Back to the list. You have Chris Adolkin, also picked by Pittsburgh, 7th round, 241. Skylar Thompson by Miami, 7th at 247. And then, of course, the last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy of 2022, 262nd and final pick. Again, 69.1% completions, 32 touchdowns, 4,200-plus yards, 13-3 and record. How about that? Main, 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 main. NFL is a wild place, but getting a good quarterback is um, definitely the job of the GM. We got to take a quick timeout. On the other side, it's time to switch up. We got to talk college football. We got David Cobb at CBSSports.com, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Here once again is Johnny Radio. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up that easy. No, he won't have it. 
that he knows his whole back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's broke. He's so sad. Welcome back to a little sports 56 happy hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio hanging out with Brian Dacus. It is 1130 on a Tuesday. You know, we're talking with David Cobb from CBSSports.com. He covers college football and college hoops. Damn, we got a lot to talk about. We'll just get at it. What up, David? What's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good. I gained 11 pounds from Wednesday till I uh, weighed myself yesterday after the Thanksgiving weekend. So there's a little bit more of me right now. Hey, that's nothing wrong with that. It's that time of year, man. Nobody man. cares. Uh, I know you're right. And we get to wear big clothes because it's cold and all that good stuff. But damn, dude, that's a lot of drinking and turkey eating right there. So I'm kind of proud of that 11 pounds. <laughs> um, do need to know this is big, man. We got a lot of stuff going on. It's championship week. I'm looking around. There's so many different things that can happen. I don't know what it is. I am so against Florida State. It's not even funny. I'm rooting for Louisville. The ACC is so terrible. I've looked at this Florida football team that it took Benson's three rushing touchdowns for them to get out there and escape with a 24-15 win. Florida gave up 33 to Missouri. They gave up 52 to LSU, 39 to Arkansas, 43 to Georgia, 39 to South Carolina. They're terrible. 33 to Kentucky. This defense is awful. If Florida State can't score on dead gum, on Florida's sorry ass, what are they going to do against one of the top teams in the country like a Michigan and Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, uh, Georgia? We can go on and on. Oregon, Washington. Can they? I mean, if you have, if you're the number one overall seed, you in Florida State is standing there at four. You basically have a bye week. Yeah, that's a, a bloodbath waiting to happen. But I'm okay with it because if Florida State's thirteen and zero wins the ACC championship game without Jordan Travis, without having after a, beating, mm, go ahead. Yeah, please, I'm sorry. Beating, oh no, I mean beating Florida on the road too without Travis, like, they at least deserve it, even though, let's be real, Texas or Alabama would provide a better game to whoever that number one team is, if it's Michigan or or Georgia. Not that we would necessarily need to see Alabama versus Georgia again, though, because we're about to see Alabama versus Georgia. I agree with you. I think it's it's basically it's whoever wins gets in, but I'm also hearing that if Alabama won by narrow margin – that it could propel to where Michigan's in, Florida State beats Louisville, uh, Washington wins. You got those three teams in, and if Alabama won, they say the Big Twelve. If te- Texas won the Big Twelve, that Texas would get in, and you could have a college football playoff with no SEC teams. And I think that's absolutely bananas. Yeah, Alabama needs to win, and Alabama needs help, uh, which is a bizarre and uh, unfamiliar position for the Crimson Tide because normally. Every other season of the 14 era, if you are a one-loss SEC champion, you don't even have to think twice about whether or not that team is getting into the playoff. But not the case this year. And that loss to Texas is really still haunting Alabama because if the Longhorns beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, I just don't think that the voters are going to jump uh, Alabama past Texas because we saw them play head-to-head in Tuscaloosa. Texas won the game. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, beating Georgia would be awfully impressive on a neutral field for the Crimson Tide, but, like, they're still going to need some help, even if they do it. And, and just honestly, again, to think about having a college football playoff with no SEC team, 
when you had a Florida State team that didn't beat anybody on the season would would blow my mind. Um, it would absolutely blow my mind. And yes, you can say, "Oh, LSU, they beat LSU in Week One." Damn, man, I was so long ago, I barely remember it. And that's their only quality win on the whole entire football season. Um, but man, we got to get to it. I got to get to some more stuff because I'm on that floor. I, I'm just begging Louisville to beat Florida State. Do you think they they can do it? Yeah, absolutely. Louisville's defense is actually pretty good. People just assume because it's Jeff Brom there as the head coach that the offense is their calling card, but the defense has been really solid for Louisville this year. So when you look at the way that Florida State offense played for a large chunk of the game against Florida last week, I mean, that Florida defense is pretty bad, and Florida State really struggled to move the football against them for most of that ball game. Now you put Tate Rodemaker up there against a good defense uh, in Louisville. I think the Cards have a shot. So we've been waiting on chaos for a long time, but these top eight teams just kind of keep winning. And I think we're going to get that chaos uh, this week. I'm predicting at least uh, one unexpected or underdog victory in, in the conference championship game. I'm I'm rooting for you, Louisville. I still can't believe they gave up 38 points though last week to Kentucky. Came Kentucky took care of Louisville last week. That kind of scares me. And that defense that was so good all all season. By the way, uh, they have a couple shutouts on the season. They shut Duke out when they played them earlier this year. Only gave up 10 to NC State. Uh, only gave up a field goal to Virginia Tech. But their last three games, uh, they gave up 24 to Virginia, 31 to Miami, and 38 to Kentucky. So that defense has been solid all year. Got to be a little bit banged up heading into the championship game because they look totally different from what they did earlier in the season. Plummer, please do me a favor. Go out there and throw like seven touchdown passes. Don't let Florida State into this championship college football playoff and ruin everybody's bowl season, please. (laughs) So, um, no, yeah, no, I get it. Like, and I'm with you. So, I would rather see Texas or Alabama have a shot, but you can't deny a 13 and 0 Florida State. Oh, I know. I know. It'll be just like watching TCU get their brains beat in last year in the college football championship. It was one boring ass game. By like Georgia just boat raced them. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Oregon and Washington. I need to get to. Like if this game is tight, usually you think you know it's all it's, you know it's Alabama, it's Georgia. If it's a close game, maybe both get in on a normal season. But if Washington and Oregon go toe to toe and they end up some when uh, you know Washington loses by a last-second field goal. Both teams are right there. Um, is it just 100% who wins gets in? I think so, because I think that the committee's going to dock Washington a little bit for how they've barely squeaked by in a bunch of games recently. Michael Penix hasn't looked 100%. It feels like there's an infatuation with Oregon where everybody just wants Oregon to, to break through. So... The stakes are higher, too, because it's the championship game. I think the Pac-12 championship game counts for more, whether that's the way it should be or not, than their regular season meeting does. And to be fair, that regular season meeting did take place at Washington. So a neutral site victory uh, for Washington or or whatever, you know, it's just the Pac-12 championship game, it just means more than that regular season game did, I think. I think that's how the, the CFP committee is going to view it. So, yeah, I, I, I think even in the event of a close Washington loss, the Huskies would be eliminated and Oregon would be the Pac-12 representative. 
I mean, but the fact that you're even considering a scenario where two Pac-12 teams get into the playoff is bananas, uh, considering that it's been since 2016 since the Pac-12 even got one team into the college football playoff. And this is the year that they leave because the Pac-12 is dying. I don't know about Oregon State, how they feel about it, but Washington State, uh, good luck, y'all, in the Pac-2. Pac uh, speaking of though that um, Oregon team, they've been smoking people. I mean, they beat up. I mean, they beat Oregon State thirty-one-seven. They dropped um, USC thirty-six-twenty-seven. Arizona State, uh, Arizona, you know, uh, Arizona State forty-nine thirteen, sixty-three nineteen over Cal. Boat race Utah thirty-five-six. Like they're doing it. Dan Lanning's defense looks good. Dan Lanning's offense looks nasty. And Bo Nix is playing like a madman. All these things to say. I'm still shocked that they're a 10-point favorite over Washington. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And, and just think about it, man. It was just over a year ago that in Dan Lanning's debut, they played Georgia and just got killed. Stomped. I mean, it was not a game. It was just a beatdown. And now we're looking at a scenario where we could have a rematch of that game in the college football playoff if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. And I think it'd be really interesting to see that, to see how far Oregon has come over these last two seasons. The the storyline then is is Dan Lanning against Kirby Smart in the in the college football playoff, working, uh, playing against his former boss, who he you know he was huge in that twenty twenty one Georgia team, being one of the most dominant defenses ever. And now the uh, the prodigal son would have a chance to end the dynasty of his former employer. I mean, that could be a really compelling college football playoff game uh and could really like if if dan Lanning, i know i'm getting ahead of myself here but like if we get a scenario where oregon faces georgia and somehow the ducks pull that one out i mean it would it would catapult dan Lanning into the stratosphere in terms of head coaches uh you know when we do our rankings next year he would be top five like it you know, there, there's a lot out there for Oregon to tackle here as they move into the Big Ten. I mean, these next few weeks are as big for the future of Oregon football uh, as as anything since you know Phil Knight deciding to write the first check. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, I, I'm fascinated with the Ducks, just like a lot of other people seem to be, uh, because of how bad they were in that first game under Dan Lanning uh, just last season, and now you know how how they have the opportunity to show uh, the improvements that they've made. It's pretty impressive, I will say. And, and then you look at Miami, who got Mario Cristobal, and you think to yourself, boy, what a mistake by Miami. Dan Laning in Oregon's a lot better, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Canes are, are in a bad type of way. Uh, there's some projections out there that have uh, Tennessee versus Miami in a, in a ball game. That would be, be interesting. I'd, I'd, I'd be okay uh, watching that one on a, a random uh, – day like Wednesday. after christmas when yeah or whatever it is yeah i'd be okay with that i'm down with it i'm down with it now i gotta ask you um everybody say a lot of people are saying that michael Penix, bo Nix, they're playing in the pac-12 championship for the heisman trophy i hope people don't put just that much weight on this one game because i already feel like it's locked up Jaden daniels what he's done he's the best player in college football my man's rushed for 10 touchdowns over a thousand yards thrown 40 touchdowns he's everything i know that this lsu team um didn't live up to their ex preseason expectations but it sure as hell wasn't because 
of Jaden Daniels. Four SEC quarterbacks have accounted for 50 touchdowns in a season. All four of those guys, Joe Burrow, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Bryce Young, all four have a Heisman Trophy. Will Jaden Daniels be the fifth, or is this Michael Penix and Bo Nix week? Well, the difference is that the other four you just named uh, either won a national title or played for one over the course of their careers. I know Tebow, I believe his Heisman didn't come in the year Florida won at all, but I mean, that's the only thing holding Jane Daniels back is the three losses suffered by LSU. Because there is a, a caveat with the Heisman Trophy that team success matters. Now, I think it matters a different amount to every voter. So, to some voters, it may not matter at all. And I think you can, you can argue that it shouldn't, that team success shouldn't be a deciding factor or a, a, a factor at all in, in the Heisman Trophy race because it's the award that goes to the best individual player. And if that's the way you view it, then it's Jaden Daniels and it's, it's open and shut. But if you factor in team success, if that's 25% of your, your decision or 30% of your decision or 50% of your decision, then, yeah, you're, you're essentially down to a Heisman Trophy playoff here on Saturday between Penix and, and Bo Nix. So I think there's a scenario, too, where, uh, let's say, Washington squeaks out a close win uh, Michael Penix has a couple of INTs, isn't awesome. Maybe Daniels still wins it, right? I think Bo Nix is in better position here because, like I mentioned, Penix has not been 100%, it doesn't seem like, over the last month or so. Last so, three weeks, it doesn't. But, I mean, if, if he goes out there and goes for 400 yards and five touchdowns and Washington wins the game as a nine-point underdog, then, then okay, I think he's back in the mix, but... Look, it, it all depends on what your criteria is for voting on this thing. If you strictly look at it as the best individual player award, then I think it goes to Jaden Daniels, much like it went to RG3, who his Baylor Lamar team Jackson. lost three. Yeah, a, a, another good example of, of guys who won it for teams that weren't in the national title hunt. And, yeah, I think Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football. Ultimately, a, a huge game in the Pac-12 championship, though, will have an influence on the voting, without a doubt, as it should. There's a reason why they don't vote after the end of the regular season. Uh, if you have another chance to go out there and, and make a statement on the national stage, right, like that's, that should uh, impact uh, the voting to a certain extent. So, I mean, it's a good Heisman race, which is kind of rare. It feels almost like it's a foregone conclusion a lot of times in recent years, so... The fact that we're coming down to the wire here, I think, just adds to what should be a, a really, really good championship Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild thinking about the numbers that I mean, Bo Nix has put up some crazy numbers as well this year. Don't don't get me twisted. I mean, my man's completed seventy eight point six percent of his passes, throw for thirty nine hundred yards, thirty seven touchdowns, only two picks. Dude's a machine. Giving him a lot of love. Just Jaden Daniels completed seventy two point two percent of his passes. Threw 40 touchdown passes, four interceptions, ran for another 10, and he led the entire team in rushing with 1,134 yards on the ground. Like, that is just, damn! You know what I mean? That's the difference for me. Yeah, what he does with his legs, the elusiveness. 40 touchdowns to four interceptions (laughs) through the air. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, he was the team. He is the franchise. Like, he's. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, too, so... Jaden Daniels, man, he he would get my vote. I mean, I guess I would wait to submit my ballot if I had one until after the Pac-12 championship game, just to make sure Bo Nix didn't, you know, throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns and run for two more and you know do it all on a broken leg uh, or something. But 
I, I just it's hard for me to to get to a point with the Pac-12 championship game where I'd be okay with voting for somebody else. So, I mean, yeah, Daniels Daniels is the guy. He's he's he I think is the crowning achievement of Brian Kelly's tenure to this point because LSU is not won an SEC title. They've not made a college football playoff. Um, there's a chance they could put together back-to-back 10-win seasons if they're able to win their bowl game. But, I mean, Brian Kelly hasn't done what he set out to accomplish yet at LSU. But I think Jaden Daniels' performance kind of lets him off the hook to a certain extent because uh, it's just been so incredible. And, and he's, he's you know, the fact that Brian Kelly even ID'd him in the first place after he had just kind of faded into irrelevance at Arizona State. Um, I think it, it, it kind of is is supporting or propping up Brian Kelly's coaching tenure to this point. I got a text here. It says, Bo Nix, dude, runs the ball just like Jaden Daniels. No. Well, I wanted no. to say to that person, um, Matt, what's up? Thanks for the text. No, you're wrong. Bo Nix has 47 carries, 159 yards. That's 3.4 yards in average. His six sixteen yards is his longest rush of the year. He does have six running touchdowns because he runs when he gets inside of the red zone. But Jaden Daniels has ran the ball 135 times, 1,134 yards, 8.4 yard average, 85 long and 10 touchdowns. That's not, I just don't, it's apples and oranges. Bo Nix is great. I'm going for Oregon this weekend uh, over Washington State. I think the line's a little bit large, but uh, we'll see. Now i got to switch up gears, man. I've almost run out of time. How in the hell are the Memphis Tigers not in the top 25, David? I really don't, I really can't believe that. They should be, man. Their resume is, is really good. Even after the loss to Villanova, I mean, maybe that's all the voters looked at. Was like, well, they got smacked by Villanova. Uh, I don't know, man. I think they should be. I, I think the wins over Arkansas and Michigan and Missouri are good enough, and the loss to Villanova is forgivable enough. Uh, they made the final score at least somewhat respectable, even though it wasn't even that close. But yeah, I mean, I've got I had Memphis all the way up at eight in my power rankings prior to the Villanova loss, and I'll still have them in my top twenty this week because. There's just not a ton of teams out there that have three wins as good as the wins the Memphis has. So they should be ranked. I'm not sure why they aren't. I think part of it has to do with the fact that nobody knows who plays for Memphis right now. I mean, I mean honestly, think about it. Outside the city of Memphis, outside people who follow the program, who's the name that, that you uh, that you recognize uh, if you're just a casual college basketball fan and you're looking at the University of Memphis? There isn't a name that you recognize. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe Javon Quinterly, if you follow it kind of closely. Uh, but even then, uh, I think that's what makes this Memphis team different, and, and honestly, in a better, in a, in a good way. Because in, in years past, it's been all the hype, right? All the smoke about the the talent and the guys that they brought in. And you know, even last year, I mean, Kendrick Davis being the top ranked transfer at most places around the country, um, I think that was the name people knew and, and a face they recognized. And, and you go all the way back through Penny's tenure, and you've got all the prospects that he's had there, and I won't list them all, but. This year's Memphis team is anonymous uh, outside the city of Memphis or outside the people who follow the program, and I think that's why they aren't getting the respect because nobody knows knows who plays for Memphis right now. But uh, I think they will come March because this Memphis team looks to me like probably the best suited team Penny's had to, uh, to to be successful in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, that's ultimately what matters. Nobody gives a flip if you are ranked in November. I mean, it's, it's annoying when you're not. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It, it really has no bearing whatsoever. Because, look, going into last season, UConn wasn't ranked. They won the national title. Uh, Florida Atlantic, nobody knew, that, knew who they were. They made a Final Four. Uh, even Miami, which made the Final Four, was not ranked uh, going into last season. So the November AP poll in college basketball is, is one of the most useless 
uh, exercises there is. Um, so I wouldn't get too worked up about it. Now I've got to ask you, man, Shaka Smart took care of business when he was what Wichita State. Goes to Texas, doesn't work out. He's over at Marquette. He's already built this bad boy into a powerhouse. How's he doing it with uh, Marquette? How do he do it at Wichita State, but he couldn't get it done at Texas? With our guy Cam Jones from uh, ECS, uh, Memphis kid out there balling out for Marquette. He and Tyler Kolek are, are one of the best backcourts in college basketball. So uh, that's that's a large part of how he's doing it because Marquette's pretty small. Like They don't have a, a traditional bruiser down there. And, and they had to go through that Maui Invitational field against the likes of Hunter Dickinson and uh, Zach Eady and those guys. And so for them to come out of that thing 2-1, and one, pretty impressive. Yeah, it's crazy to see Shaka's rebirth after the thing uh, didn't go all that well at, at Texas. Uh, but, man, he, he is back. And, like, Marquette is a serious, uh, serious offensive juggernaut uh, this season. And, and they they are going to be uh, right there with UConn in the Big East race. I think that's that's going to be a really, really fun one in college basketball this year, that, that, that Big East race. I mean, Creighton, maybe even Villanova in the mix there as well. So, yeah, uh, Marquette's been super impressive. I mean, they, I think, lost by three against Purdue in that Maui Invitational title game uh, without really any sort of a big who could match up with Zach Eady. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're rolling, man. They're going to be in the top ten, I think, probably throughout this season. And it wasn't Wichita State. Wasn't it VCU? That's right. Okay, thank you. After I said it, I started saying to myself, damn it, I know I'm wrong on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's just tearing things up at Marquette. I mean, he just took over the program in 2021 and he's got them back. It's wild that he didn't get it done with Texas, but he's doing it here at um, Marquette. By the way, Purdue, Arizona, Marquette, um, Kansas, maybe Duke. Who you think? Who, who's the best team that you've seen so far this year? Yeah, I mean, it's Purdue. Uh, but let's uh, look forward to tonight with uh, Miami and Kentucky. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think it's one of the best games of the season so far because we're going to learn so much about both teams. I mean, if Miami goes into rough and, and beats Kentucky, then I'll be willing to, to throw the, the Canes into that conversation with Purdue and Marquette and, and UConn and, and Kansas because uh, that would be that would be a very impressive victory. I mean, that would be right up there with, with uh, Arizona going to Cameron Indoor Stadium and, and, and beating Duke. So uh, excited for that one tonight. And on the flip side, this is first uh, Kentucky's first uh, real challenge in a few weeks since they lost their, their Champions Classic game against Kansas. So if the Cats get it done against uh, a Final Four team from a year ago, then all right, let's let's start to talk about Kentucky a little bit. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I think I think when you when you think about it, what we've seen so far, Purdue, man, and, and I know people are going to roll their eyes, well, they just lost in the uh, NCAA tournament to a 16th seed. Okay, yeah, they did. Um, you know what happened the last time a number 16 team uh, beat a one? That number one seed, Virginia, after after that embarrassing loss, the next season they went and won the national title. And I don't see any reason why Purdue can't do the exact same thing because uh, Zach Eady's back, the, the, a lot of the supporting cast is back, and that supporting cast is actually starting to support uh, a little bit more. So I think I think the Boilermakers are, are legit. Mississippi State, 6-0 and in the season. Are they legit? They, I mean, their schedule has been pretty soft. Are you a believer in State? Oh, I am, and I talked about this with, with Bryant and Brett yesterday, but what is so impressive about it is the fact that they are doing it without Tolu Smith, who is their best player, an all-SEC caliber center. And even without him, the, the Bulldogs are undefeated. There, there are some decent wins on that schedule. I mean, they beat Arizona State. They beat Northwestern, both of whom made the NCAA tournament last year. So not not just total cake like there's been some some lower level opposition there as well but you know i think they're they're off to a, a 
literally a perfect start. So um, it's incredibly impressive that Jans and, and the Bullies have done that without their their best player. Man, David, I could talk to you all day long. College football, college basketball, both rolling on. Big, big week of for both of them. I know you're busy, so I'll let you get back at it. What you working on over at CBSSports.com? Well, in addition to the bottom 25 today, I've also got a uh, retrospective piece looking at the highlights of uh, Deion Sanders' first season at Colorado. So that should be dropping. <laughs> That'll be, be dropping fascinating. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to your take. I'll be reading your work at CBSSports.com. I hope you repost that bad boy on your Twitter at David W. Cobb. And um, be blessed and enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. All right, dude. I appreciate it. That is David Cobb. He's the best when it comes to college football, college basketball. CBSSports.com. Again, follow my Twitter at David W. Cobb. I'm so late for a break. I'm so bad. I'm so sorry, Bryant. I'm making Bryant put in some work over okay. here. What I'm here for. I'm getting your, uh, I'm getting your little, your work. You're getting calluses over there. You know what I'm saying uh, in your yeah, brain. Uh, exactly. Got to callus the brain. Doesn't man. sound safe, but doesn't sound you know. safe. But hey, it's better than doing meth. I guess. I mean, I can't argue with that. That's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Might be the truest thing you've ever said, John. Definitely is. You know what? The the, the uh, most honest thing I've probably ever said in my life. What's up? The best prices in the world for anything with a motor. Oh, it's at Scooters Plus, 3425 Summer Avenue. You can get ATVs, UTVs. You can get go-karts, bikes, trikes, motorcycles. You can get all their gear. Plus, if you want to work on your gear, they have all the parts for everything. Like, they literally have the largest parts department, period, in the world, man. I'm serious. Scooters Plus, again, 3425 Summer Avenue. You can go online and check out their inventory at scootersplus.us. Again, the price is always right at Scooters Plus, and when you when you want to buy large, you want to get the best price because you're going to save big. Always go to Scooters Plus. Plus, you can go to ScootersPlus.us. They have financing options available. You can look right there and find out exactly how much money you can get before you even walk into the store to go spend. Scooters Plus. It's the thing that everybody wants. I'm like, you know kids want something with a little motor action? Don't you? Man, go-karts are so much fun. Did you have a go-kart as a kid? I did. Did you have a four-wheeler? Uh, I did not. Did you have a dirt bike? Uh, maybe I did. I, I did not have a dirt bike. I know that for a fact. Man, when I was a little kid growing up, dirt bikes, four-wheelers, and go-karts, that's the only all. thing we did. Yeah. And it was a great life. Great life. Look where Sounds I'm like at today. It. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Get your kids the right Christmas present. Scooters Plus, again, 3425 Summer Avenue. They're open 9 to 6, Monday through Saturday. Or go online to scootersplus.us. Back in two shakes. Sports 56, 98.5 FM.